Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Freaking beer. One of my top 10 favorite bands of all time. And when your guests are joining you from down under and request in excess, you know what? You give them in excess. You give them what they want. You give them what they want. <laughs> well, welcome to the next century of the Geoholics podcast. Here we are, episode 100. So, Shoots, I haven't even... Oh, I haven't my given, goodness. I have not given you a heads up on this. But we're going to try something new, okay? Okay. Let's see how this flows, okay? Hit the good people with this week's safety apparel safety share. Are you prepared? I am ready. All Always right. ready Let's do this. Uh, it's going to be about heart attacks. Oh, I, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> trying to bring the real uh, uplifting <coughs> mindset to this. But every single year, there are 735,000 Americans who suffer heart attacks, according to the CDC. Out of that number, 525,000 of them are first-time heart attack victims. Heart disease and heart attacks are an unfortunate reality in our country. And the ways you know you're having a heart attack, chest pain or discomfort, upper body pain or discomfort in the arms, back, neck, jaw, or upper stomach, shortness of breath, nausea, lightheadedness, or cold sweats. And what they say to do, call 911. As always, call 911. What about like... Um, drop, roll, and do something like stop, that. Stop, drop, and roll. That's, that's if you're on fire. fire. <laughs> that's if you're on fire. That's right. That's, right. that's not a heart attack. <laughs> it's not a heart attack. <laughs> All right. Good one, Shoots. All I'm going to say is this last week, honestly, has been pretty amazing for us. And uh, first, we had an incredibly well-received 99th episode, the great one episode, we're going to call great it, one. with Dr. Timothy Hawthorne telling us about all things Geobus, very well received. Then we recorded a live podcast at Intergeo with our new best friends, Bruno Krensky from Measuring Masters in Brazil and Leonard Proust from Intergeo in Germany. We had an absolute blast with those guys. And I'll be honest with you, I can't wait to see where this newfound friendship takes us. It's oh, going to be pretty amazing. It's going to be awesome. And I have to do a... Uh, what what do you call it? A, uh, a retraction? Ret- retraction. Yes. I said 11,000 employees for half associates. 1,100 is what it actually is. What's so, an extra zero, Shoots? I Does know. it really matter? It's, it, hey, it, it's been bothering me for a week. So. I bet you haven't slept. No, I've slept well. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been bothering me, and I wanted well, to make sure that that's out there in the stratosphere. I am glad you got that off your chest. Thank you. Now yep. I feel better. Fantastic. PJ, tell us about that opening number. All right, guys, that was I Send a Message, uh, In Excess, uh, Australian rock band formed by the Ferris Brothers in 1977 in Sydney, New South Wales. Uh, 1984, In Excess had their first number one hit in Australia with Original Sin. Uh, they won the Australian Recording Industry Association Awards, including three for Best Group in 1987, 1989, and 1992. And the band was inducted into the ARIA Hall of Fame in 2001. In Excess has sold over 75 million albums worldwide, making them one of Australia's highest-selling music acts of all time. Letters are hard. A-R-I-A. That's hard. It's hard. I understand. I totally get it. A-R-I-A. All seriousness, in excess, is one of my top ten all-time favorite bands. I've got to see them a couple times. One time, they actually opened up for U two when I saw them. Wow, well, that goes that's a good way group. back. Where was that at? 
Uh, Aragon Ballroom in Chicago. Oh, wow. That's a big one. Of yeah, course. maybe th- maybe 2,000 people there. 86, 87, somewhere around there. I, I will guess. I will say, <laughs> I will say the day that Michael Hutchins died was probably one of the top 10 status days of my life. I'll wow. never forget it. And I actually shed a tear. It was a sad day. Sunday. Right. Yeah. He's an absolute rock star in the town. Unbelievable with that guy. Here we are, Diamondback Lancerving Studio. Still on board for the second century, which is good. Trent Keenan, heck of a guy. Um, yep, look right there. There it is, there. right behind me. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let a little secret out. I'm gonna let a cat the cat out of the hat. Uh oh, or something like that. The cat so, in the hat. Whatever. <laughs> so uh, it, it's public knowledge. So I'm not really you know. Not really, really telling the secret. I, I, it's public knowledge. So, our um, Kurt Sumner, the executive director of NSPS, is getting ready to retire after a heck of a run. Guy has done an amazing job with the organization. So now they're looking for a replacement. Ooh. Oh, guess Whoa. whose name is thrown in the hat? He's got my vote. Oh man, Trent Keenan. You need to say my boy TK. My yes. Wow. He's got my Trent Keenan. The one and only Trent Keenan. I mean, I don't know how anybody else could even try. Yeah, that's oh, it. Yeah. Who's, yeah. yeah. Who's going to take that? He's a shoo-in. He's yeah. a shoo-in. No doubt about it. So, Trent, good luck, buddy, with that. You have our support. 100%. Shout out to this week's featured friend of the program. It just happens to be... Mentoring Mondays. Whoa. Who sponsors that? Mm, I wonder. Hmm. Mm, future mm. president. <laughs> Do you ever wish that you, <laughs> that you could have a weekly cup of coffee with like-minded surveying professionals? We are here to tell you that you can do just that by participating <laughs> in the virtual Mentoring Mondays for Land Surveyors program. This is a weekly Zoom meeting featuring live Q&As on your favorite surveying topics. Every Monday, the forum is hosted by a rotating series of guest speakers who are among the best in the surveying business. Think of Mentoring Mondays as weekly office hours of the surveying profession. So whether you are a freshman in college or a 50-year professional land surveyor looking to contribute your wisdom and experiences, Mentoring Mondays is for you. To find out more, simply visit www, I know you love that, .mentoringmondays.xyz. I love the XYZ. That's so cool. Yeah, it's so it fitting. Makes it, it makes it, it, it fully it's, rounds it. It's kind of coordinate driven. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, all I can say is this: like when I was in college, not college. Oh my god! When I was like in grade school or high school, and it's like you have to go to office hours. It was always a bad thing, <laughs> right? Now it's a good thing with Trent no. and uh, mentoring Mondays. So and I it's, like that it, reference. It's a solid program. And it, oh, it's awesome. It, he he always makes it interesting. Yeah, and, and the guests are amazing. Yeah, amazing. Doing a great job with that as well. So mentoringmondays.xyz. Okay. Here we are, Trimble Geospatial Weekly Words of Wisdom. Get this, guys. Now, I want to see you guys like check the boxes on this one, okay? 14 traits of a truly good person, okay? Okay. Look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself these questions. Here are the traits. They are honest in relationships, number one. They compliment others when deserved. They call their parents regularly. They are polite. They are kind to everyone. They are generous with their belongings. They remember their manners, They think of others before themselves. They go the extra mile. They smile. They make the best out of every situation. They make my, they make my, they make friends easily. They don't take things for granted and they are consistent. So remember a first impression 
is a lasting impression by being consistent in what they do. A truly good person will ensure they always put their best foot forward and treat every person and situation the same. So think about those 14 traits. That put sounds it, like uh, Trent it, Keenan. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> man, oh man, we are rubbing his shoulders man, tonight. Man, exactly. Mr. President. <laughs> no doubt. That's awesome. Catch up with the boys here. PJ. What's up, buddy? You got any big news for us? I do. Um, in the spirit of you guys, a couple couple weeks ago, talking about making some career changes into some new positions. This yeah. week, uh, actually this next Wednesday, I'll be starting a new job. So, um, what, what? really excited about that and headed out to California this weekend for one last hoorah before I got to buckle down and, and get serious, get focused for the rest of the year and really uh, start off on a good foot. But I'm looking forward to that and starting something new, a little new challenge. Congrats, PJ. And I'm not yeah, going to say good to hear. I'm not going to say I sealed the deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> I pretty much sealed the deal. Yeah. I my the recruiter called me and she asked for a couple of references. So of course I had to give her Didi's phone number. And you didn't give her mine. I had to go for he the was host. Afraid you'd be oh, drunk oh, or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> afraid you'd be drunk. But uh, she called me back and she goes, "Wow, that was a re- couple really good references." So I think I didn't even really have to interview. That was it. It sold it. Yeah. They didn't even ask wow. any questions. They're like, "Hey." Dilfy Dill said, you're the guy, so you're hired. It's done. Yeah, it's done and done and done. We listened to two episodes. It's done. There Come work go. for us. I was going to say, they listened to the episodes and done. I mean, if they probably they probably did. They might have. It was that easy. Uh, she was asking me, actually, you know, we're getting off topic just a little bit, but she's asking me about the podcast. I was talking about the podcast and how great a job you do and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And she's like, well, tell me about the podcast. What do you guys talk about? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, just give it a listen. Trust me, you're going to have fun. So add we fr- got another friends, listener. Add friends. Yeah. Making value. Yeah, always. Um, so we got another listener. I think <laughs> we did. Awesome. I think we did. But that's yeah. something to look forward to, and I'm getting excited about it. But Congrats, shoots. buddy. Congrats. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, old Shoots has been up to nothing. Nothing? <laughs> no. Nothing exciting? No new chapters? <laughs> no. <laughs> I know that's so disappointing to hear, but uh, <laughs> we booked our trip. To, we're, we're heading to Legoland, boys. Oh, I used to love that when I was little. Oh, Loved it. Well, <laughs> we, we have an eight-year-old, and he is 100% Lego right now. So we booked the trip. We're going after Christmas, so I'm taking that week off. Just Just a heads up for both of you right now. Between Christmas and New Year's, shoots will be in, in hmm. Legoland. I think one of our guests today might be a good stand-in for you. Yeah? yeah. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> Fuck let, it. Let's, let's just done. <laughs> you can replace me in a heartbeat. Let's, <laughs> let's be honest. What about you, Delphi Delph? What about me? Oh, I, I, gosh, since we last chatted. I got one word, Hamilton. Oh, yeah. We went and saw Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't sure what to expect. And here's a really funny story. So a uh, friend of the program, uh, Glensky, is a member of Gamage, mm-hmm. SU Gamage. So he goes to all the shows and everything. He called me up. He's like, hey, Kent, would you want to get tickets for you and the lovely Megan to go see Hamilton? And I'm like, never really thought of it. But uh, sure, what the heck? So he got you know, really good seats for a really good prize because he's a member, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, I thought I was doing something amazing. I'm like, and I'm going to surprise my wife with Hamilton tickets. And she's going to freaking love me more than humanly possible. So I'm like, hey, sweetheart, guess what? I got us Hamilton tickets. She's like, why? <laughs> she had no interest in seeing it whatsoever. Oh, my goodness. So I'm like, gosh darn it. So anyways, we went. We had a great time. And it was very entertaining. Very yes. entertaining. So Alexander it was, it was Hamilton. Uh, yeah, it's good. It was really good. I would go see it for sure. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see someone got arrested there? I don't he, know. The same day I was there. Yeah, did you see him? The morning, he was the early show. Oh, I was the it. late show, yeah. 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 Oh, my goodness. Crazy. And then I did see um, Josh and Ryan from The Minimalists. I went and saw those guys last Thursday. No way. Yeah. Where it were they was, at? Uh, CB Live at uh, Desert Ridge. Okay, cool. He, he sent us the link. It oh, was you know what? Yeah, I was, cool. I was out. Yeah. It was awesome. It was super cool. The only downer was, I mean, we had great seats. I mean, it, it, it was awesome. The only downer was they had a local lady, Joanne Cacciatore or something like that. She, like, they always they have a guest. Like, whatever city they're in, they bring up a special mm-hmm. guest, and she was their guest. And her thing is dealing with death and dying and grief, oh, right? So, that's, oh. yeah. so it's like all the questions coming from the audience were about death and dying oh. and grief. And I'm just like, give me another freaking beer. This is out of control. Yeah, where the minimalist guys are, yeah. it's not exactly happy, but it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, they, they, they did a really good job. It was awesome. I'm really glad I got to see them. Just nice, genuine, you know, humble guys. Um, great, great show. And then on Sunday, I went to a wine and football party. It was pretty exciting. Wine Played and a game. Football. Yes, it was a wine tasting football event. Played a game called King's Cup. Have you guys ever oh, heard yeah. of that? Absolutely. Yeah, that's big. Damn, yeah, that game will mess you up quick. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. I think I'll end the story right there. <laughs> there you go. All and, right. And, and before we yeah, get yeah, to yeah. our guest, I just yeah. got to like throw this out there. Yeah. This is for another episode, but ASU. With their safe space, uh, have oh, you guys? Did you seen see the video? Yeah. What is this? Have you, have, you have not seen the video? No. Of this? Yeah, uh, that oh. was something that was starting to come in as I was leaving the Tempe campus. But yeah, that was a pretty crazy seven-minute video. Uh, there's some space, it's multicultural space. Yeah, I yeah. saw that. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's, not good for either side. You could definitely yeah. tell that as those two gentlemen were. Based off their shirts and what they were doing there. They were there, there. doing they're, their thing. And yeah, they, but they but, were looking for it. It's fine. Yeah, they were like, looking for a. Oh, both sides so? were looking for a fight there. I think so. they were stirring it up. Yeah. I, on purpose. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In I, the, I in saw the ladies the that stirred it up with them were just as bad on the just other side. Just as bad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Can't yeah, be I doing that. Video. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. It, um, it makes me sad for my alma mater. Me too. I'm wearing the shirt right now. Hey, you could be a Saluki. You don't have to worry about that shit. Yeah, exactly. that's true. <laughs> Soon enough. All right. So one thing. Oh, my my lock of the week last week mm-hmm. was a failure. Oh, yeah. So I'm, right now I'm, I'm one for three. Yeah. Um, if you bet the farm last week, you lost it. Mm-hmm. So my bet the farm bet this week is Baltimore plus one at Denver. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Boom. Bet the farm. I, w- I would say bet the farm against Justin Fields. Yeah, that wasn't a good start either. I don't want to talk about that. Okay, let's that was a dig. <laughs> Sorry, I know, I know, sorry, I know, folks. I know, it's all right. <laughs> let's get on with our guests this evening. I'm super excited. We have Peter Cox and Narelle Underwood with us. A little bit about them. Peter was born in the Australian capital city of Canberra. Some of these things I may say wrong, and if so. Please feel free to correct me. She grew up in Vincentia, Jervis Bay, South Coast, NSW, two hours south of Sydney. Attended the, I don't know if it's TAF or TAFE, NSW Sydney, where she got an associate diploma of engineering surveying. Her hobbies are, of course, host of the Defining Boundaries podcast, which is freaking awesome. And she is celebrating her one-year anniversary next month, October. Congrats. Her, congrats. Her job, She's in, she, this is a pretty new job for her, too. I'm sure we're going to hear about this. National Training and <laughs> Development Manager for Consulting Surveyors National. Her passion is promoting our industry and providing quality education to future generations. Uh, and then we have Narelle, born in Liverpool, NSW. Grew up, this is a great name, I'm going to butcher it, 
Wallandilly Shire, halfway between <laughs> Sydney and Canberra. She attended <laughs> University of NSW for her Bachelor of, of Engineering in Surveying and Spatial Information System. If one of you two guys can tell me, hopefully you didn't look it up, the mascot of University of NSW, 50 bucks right now. The dingo. Please let it be the whales. No, Clancy the lion. Oh, oh we were so close. She's, <laughs> she's currently also working on her master's degree. Her hobbies are going to movies, reading, spending time with the family, and I think it says playing Australian football. Is that rugby? Is that rugby? I think Not so. quite. Not quite. Do you do you play it or do you watch it? I play. Oh my goodness! Let's. We're going to circle back on that. She's the surveyor general of NSW, and one of her highlights is hanging your photo. This is super cool. You guys are going to love this. Hanging your photo on the this wall. This is awesome. Of the surveyor general in. So there is an in. Surveil mm-hmm. <laughs> General in, and I, I we're gonna, well, we're going to ask you about her just a second. But apparently, if you're the Surveil General, you must get your photo up on the wall at this bar. It looks is it like a this. surveyor bar? Well, we're going to find out. Give okay, me a okay. second. Her passion is surveying. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get and there. And she says surveying is just as much a hobby as it is a profession. So, Peta and Narelle, welcome to the Geoholics, where you put not only yourself at risk but your career as well. Would you guys want? Do you guys want to go on? <laughs> Thanks, God, for having us. Absolutely. Uh, I'm in. I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we got to circle back on the whole surveyor general in thing. This is right up our alley. Mm-hmm. Can the geoholics mm-hmm. get their picture up at the surveyor general in? If you want to become the surveyor general of New South Wales, sure. <laughs> no exceptions. <laughs> no exceptions. Uh, no. How, how, how do we become the surveyor general? Ah, <laughs> oh, well, look, like like any good Aussie story, there's a pub, and Peter's laughing because she's heard me talk about this. Um, so the pub, the Surveyor General Inn, um, is actually only about half an hour from where I live, and I went there for lunch with my husband on a Sunday, and after we'd uh, shared a few drinks, I was talking about the role of Surveyor General with him, and um, we were looking at all the photos up on the wall, looking at the survey memorabilia around in the pub, and he turns to me and he says, hey, wouldn't it be really cool if you would have be the first female to have your photo up on this wall and that was my aha moment around hey Mm. that's a pretty cool idea that's gonna that's my career goal little did i know like 18 months later i'd actually achieve it (laughs) oh my god that is so awesome pretty awesome hey (laughs) congrats on that i'm gonna make sure that when we post the episode we we also include the link to the survey general in because that is one of the coolest things i've ever (laughs) seen and peter in your case congrats Defining Boundaries podcast, one year or uh, one year anniversary here in October. Amazing! You're doing a fantastic job at that. Yeah, it's uh, a labor of love, that's for sure. <laughs> it is indeed. I can attest for sure. Uh, it sounds like mm-hmm. you're still super passionate about it, though, and excited for the next year. Yeah, I am. It's it's something that I really enjoy doing and speaking to other surveyors and people in the spatial industry. Um, about how they got to where they are and, you know, why they love the industry so that hopefully somebody who's not in the industry might listen to it and think my kid might like that or, you know, they can pass it on to someone who we can get into the industry because that's what I'm all about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're doing a great mm-hmm. job with that. What was, what was the motivation? I mean, how did you, how did you just, what, what made you just move forward with it? <laughs> Um, I was, so 
I left my job as a head teacher at, at TAFE. We have lots TAFE. of acronyms uh, in Australia, especially on the government side. Anyway, I left my job. I started a new job. It was COVID. Um, I used to listen to podcasts all the time. I used to go to industry meetings. When I left TAFE, all that stopped. And so I kind of thought I wanted to write a book and I wanted to do a podcast because I thought it'd be really cool to do. Worked out what it was going to be on and just happened to go on GeoJabber with Elaine Ball, uh, the geospatial marketer, (laughs) and she knew about it and she basically put me on the spot and said, oh, you're doing this. When is it coming out? So (laughs) (laughs) that's how the ball got rolling. It was like you you talk to the wrong people and they kind of just give you that little push. (laughs) Sometimes that's all you need. Which is not a bad thing. Sometimes it's all (laughs) you need for sure. For sure. Uh, Awesome. So real quick, obviously both of our guests this evening are in Australia. So I I was doing Mm -hmm. some research today. I came up with some really funny Australian facts that I'm going to share with people. (laughs) So here's six of them. And hopefully you guys find this as funny as I do. All right. Each year, Brisbane hosts the World Championships of Cockroach Racing. Did you guys know that? Cockroach (laughs) Racing. Yes. Australia of cane toad racing, not cockroach yes. racing. Cockroach <laughs> racing. Australia has three times more sheep than people. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. An Australian man once tried to sell New Zealand on eBay. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Australia was the second country in the world to give women the right to vote in 1902. Oh, good. Wow. Yes. Good on them. Yes. Yep. Who, who's, do you know who number one was? <laughs> I think it was, was New it? Zealand. New Zealand was first. Zealand. Oh, was it really? Wow, okay, that makes sense. Kiwis beat you to it. Here's <laughs> here's my two favorites, okay? First one, per capita, Australians spend more money on gambling than any other nation. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> well done. It's massive over here. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's slowly gaining here. And last but not least, the number one reason I want to visit Australia, there are 60 designated wine regions in Australia producing approximately <laughs> 1.35 trillion bottles of wine every year. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Wait. <laughs> We, we like don't our mind alcohol. a drink. <laughs> I love it. That is awesome. That is awesome. Okay, so we're gonna we got we got a bunch of things to talk about for sure. I was gonna ask you guys about COVID and stuff like that, but screw it. I mean, it's it's too depressing. I don't want to talk about that. So let's get on with the meat of the matter, and I want to get a really good understanding and feel for the profession of surveying in Australia and in New Zealand for that matter. And I want to get. And understand or have a better understanding of you know the NSW, which, as my understanding, is like the governing body for surveyors. Is that correct? Hopefully, yes. Not quite. So, uh, oh. <laughs> see how confused I am. Clear it up for us. No, yeah. So, New South Wales is a state. So, just like the US, we have states. So, we've got eight states and jurisdictions. Uh, in Australia that make up our our country and so New South Wales is the largest um, and so we have the highest concentration of uh, surveyors. We kind of make up <laughs> nearly the rest of the country, to be honest. What's, Not quite, but yeah. What's the percentage? Like what percentage of surveyors are in uh, New South Wales? Um, so in terms of land, professional land surveyors, yeah. there's a thousand in New South Wales. So it's not a huge amount. Um, next closest jurisdiction's got 400. Um, some of them have got like 70 so or less. Um, so, yeah. Gotcha. So, so that's wow. your licensed and registered surveyors. 
Yeah. So we also have the technical surveys, which there's a lot of, but aren't it's probably, licensed or anything like that. So Yeah, so and it's probably mm-hmm. about four to one ratio of unlicensed versus licensed. So you only need to be licensed to do land surveying mm. or in New South Wales, mining surveying. Um, other areas, you don't have to have formal qualifications. You can, yeah, it's a bit of a quirk. Interesting. All right, we're going to get into that mm. just a little bit more because I find that very interesting. And the surveyor general, what exactly is the, the responsibilities of that role? Uh, so I get to, well, with my board, um, I should say, uh, I don't do it alone. Um, <laughs> I get to decide who can practice land surveying and mining surveying. And so set the competency and examination requirements, the education standards. Uh, also have the unfortunate job of needing to investigate complaints against surveyors and deal with disciplinary action, mm-hmm. um, providing advice to the government about anything related to surveying and geospatial information. Interesting. Uh, kind of like the Board of Technical Registration in our state mm-hmm. here of Arizona. Uh, and Pita, tell us about uh, Consulting Surveyors National. Talk about that. What, is, what does that do exactly? Yeah, so Consulting Surveyors National is an association um, that look after the companies and the people within the company. They help guide them, build them, give them training, um, help them with legal issues and things like that. So it's a it's an association which every state um, may have their own own association attached to it. Um, and we're we're there to help the companies and mm. the people within the industry. So interesting. And you're the national training and development manager. So yes. what are what and that's a that's a pretty new opportunity for you, correct? <laughs> yeah. So I am the first full-time employee at CSN, which is pretty important, um, pretty special because it shows that they're really committed to the education side of surveying. Um, we have TAFE, that um, the technical side that that delivers our diplomas and, and stuff like that to, to the industry. Yeah. Um, and then we have university, which get, where you get your degree from. Well, we have a lot of areas where the people can't get to TAFE uh, and find it difficult to gain a qualification. So we're just sort of filling that little niche of, of area and delivering to the industry nationwide so that we can get more qualified technicians. And hopefully that may entail them stepping up and going into university and go on to a registration process as well. Gotcha. So do you and Narelle work closely together on things or how, how does that relationship work? Yeah. Uh, on lots of different things. <laughs> um, small part, yeah, it is a small industry and Narelle's part of the task force that, well, you kind of have this small group that, do a lot of everything for the industry. So it's not just, you know, the task force or, you know, these different bodies where we're all kind of interrelated to speak in, in working together on different things, especially when it comes to the, the education and support of surveyors. Got it. Got it. Uh, so like Pina, in your case, do you work with the other, other states of Australia or is it just uh, New South Wales. Yes. Yeah, so I am national. Uh, we at the moment 
uh, working on the resources uh, and the development of the courses. Uh, I'm, it, we're working in partnership with the University of Southern Queensland. They have a registered training organisation which allows us to deliver the national training package. So we will be able to deliver to anybody in Australia. Gotcha, gotcha. Mm. So Not just New South Wales. You guys are talking about this in, in the national and the different parts of Australia. What are the requirements to become a quote-unquote licensed land surveyor in Australia? <laughs> yeah, um, it does vary slightly between the different states, but I guess as a general overarching um requirement to be a land surveyor you have to have a, a recognized four-year university degree or equivalent um, and we do have processes for people who have done uh, different degrees or have studied overseas um, once you've uh, completed or while you're completing your uh, university studies you need to get a minimum of two years practical experience and then in New South Wales there is a series of five exams where you have to present different projects on um, an urban surveying project, a rural surveying project, a unit, we call them strata here in New South Wales, a unit project, as well as a town planning and an engineering design project. And so you've got uh, requirements for those five projects. You bring that project to uh, the examinations and it's a one and a half hour interview where we grill you about everything related to your project and the legislation. Uh, and if you pass those five, then you get your license. Interesting. So like here, you know, in, in the States, um, well, let me ask you this. In Australia, like if you were, like if you were to be doing construction staking or layout for buildings and things like that, do you have to be a licensed surveyor to do that type of surveying or no? No, only to deal with um, property boundaries or in New South Wales also mining. Um, in Queensland, there are different levels of uh, registration or licensing depending on the type of work you're doing, but that's not compulsory. It's just recommended. So, yeah, somebody, anybody can actually open up a surveying firm and you might have might or might not have any qualifications you might have gone to TAFE you might have just learnt on the job or you might have a university degree wow well and then interesting like in in the states there's mm -hmm. the CFED mm -hmm. True. where that yeah. is nationwide yeah do you guys have something like that in Australia where you can be nationwide like licensed a, like a certificate I guess yeah like that's certified well, that's okay. Yeah, like certified federal surveyors. Yeah, and that allows you to survey on federal lands or Indian yeah. lands and things like that. Uh, yeah, where there's a lot of the bush and stuff like that in Australia. I'm wondering <laughs> if if you guys have something like that. Not not really, because um, our state governments own have legal responsibility of the land. Our federal government doesn't have any responsibility for land. Um, but what we do have is what we call mutual recognition. And so if you're licensed or registered to practice in New South Wales, you can go and practice in those other jurisdictions based on your license. You've just got to pay a fee, although that's up for grabs at the moment because they've brought in new legislation that's allowing automatic mutual recognition, which will allow you to go and practice anywhere in Australia. So we're just working out whether land surveying will fall under that or whether it'll be exempt. So it's in a bit of a, a change situation at the moment for us. Interesting. So I'm just curious, how difficult would it be if, if there was a surveyor here in the States that had a four-year degree in surveying, how difficult would it be for them to come to Australia and get licensed? 
Yeah, so they'd still have to go through an examination process to determine their competency, but if they've got experience, then you know, they've got, they'll be able to use some of their practical experience from back home um, and they'll need to spend a minimum amount of time um, to get up to speed with our current legislation um, and then be able to sit the projects and exams. Interesting. So, Peter, is, is, uh, is Australia, does Australia have the same challenges we have here? For example, like the average age, you know, I say it a gazillion times, average age <laughs> of a surveyor here is 59 years old. You know, of course, we have an issue with diversity. Yeah. Um, are you, do you guys have those same struggles? Yeah, yeah, we have those same struggles. We have the struggles of the, the, the ageing surveyor, uh, the lack of registered surveyors. We're, we're even finding now that there is just a lack of surveyors full stop, uh, whether they're technical or registered. Um, so many advertisements for people looking for surveyors. Um, we've got a lot of infrastructure happening at the moment. Uh, COVID has just mm. made our industry boom mm. because mm. there's people who can't go on holidays, so they've got the money to spend, so they'll do the renovations or, you know, that kind of stuff. That It's a massive, massive shortage at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So to jump in with the the stats, so the average license surveyor in New South Wales is fifty two. Wow. Um, in the broader industry, it's forty five. Uh, from a diversity perspective, uh, in New South Wales, only three percent of registered surveyors are female. Mm. Broader wow. industry, it's maybe up to twenty percent. Um, it's a little bit harder to determine though. So, um, the age profile is a major concern because there's nowhere near enough people coming through the process. So we think we've got a shortage of at least 800 uh, registered surveyors across the country, if not more. Um, and yeah, as Peter said, because uh, our government's response to COVID and economic impact impact is to build our way out of it. So there's billions and billions of dollars being invested in infrastructure and every single one of those projects needs surveyors. And so um, the backlog of work and then our inability to bring people in from overseas, given our mm. borders are closed, has had a massive impact on the uh, workforce. So what's the solution? I mean, how, <coughs> excuse me, how are, how are we got 3% women. Yeah. We, have, we have both of them. <laughs> on the podcast right now, <laughs> we got we got one we got one percent of them here. <laughs> what is the solution to 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 bringing more people to this wonderful industry? And, and if you think about Australia, it's not like I mean you're limited by the population. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, what is the population of Australia? Do you guys oh, know offhand? Twenty. Like 3 million, 20, something 20 like that. Million. It's, not, it's, not a, it's not a huge oh, wow. amount. Yeah, it's nothing. Yeah, so that, there's a limitation right there. Jeez, that's crazy. Um, yeah. Our, our biggest our biggest limitation is that people don't know what surveying is, yeah. and so that's why industry, Appreciate. academia, and the government have partnered together to, to create the surveying task force. Um, and so we've got quite a number of programs about, like, I didn't actually know anything about surveying until I was in my second year of civil engineering at university, so... Um, I'd never even met a surveyor <laughs> until I got a job with a surveyor um, and realised I had chosen the wrong university degree. So <laughs> that's, um, awesome. that's that's really our biggest challenge is just getting it out there. And so one of the one of the things um, that I've been working closely with Peter this year is um, we've been developing a subject to go into Year Nine and Ten students. 
Um, it's called iSTEM, but it's about surveying. And so we've mm. created a, a an elective within that subject to increase the amount of content. And so students can actually do a surveying project as part of their year nine and 10 uh, studies for us. Um, but then also the geography classes and the uh, math classes have found out that we've created this content. And they're like, oh, that aligns to our curriculum as well. And so we're mm. looking at how we can integrate surveying into mainstream subjects because one of the problems they've faced is that students don't uh, really like learning about the theoretical without understanding that there's a career at the end and so surveying is really addressing that and so we've been working with the education department to develop resources to go into high schools and primary schools to be able to bring that to kids so that they don't finish school without ever hearing about surveying as an option. Wow Peter how did you how did you get introduced to surveying? I kind of fell into it. Um, I went to university to do nursing um, and, you know, I I left there, made some not so good choices, moved up to Sydney and I needed to get a trade or, or something behind me because I had a young, a, a young baby to support myself and, and, and child. Um, so I applied for landscaping and surveying because I wanted to be outside. It was more about what can I do outside? I don't want to be stuck in an office, you know, every day. And that's, I, I got into both of them at TAFE, but landscaping was four years part-time and the surveying was two years full-time. So I took the surveying, um, you know, not, not really even knowing what it was fully about. Um, even my cousin was doing surveying at uni but didn't really question him much about, you know, what he was doing there either. It wasn't until I started doing the course going, oh, that's what he's doing, that's what I'm doing, and it just sort of snowballed from there. So did you go into land surveying on purpose or was it accidentally because you thought you are going into landscaping? No, 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 no. I knew they were, I knew they were separate. I knew they were different. Um, it was, mine was a time factor. The two That's versus The sole years. decision on going into surveying was uh, getting yeah. a, getting a qualification in two years rather than four years. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And the yeah. reason I brought that up, because I, I, I think I've told the story before people ask me what I do and I've stopped saying I'm a land surveyor <laughs> because when I say that, they're like, oh, you plant the bushes in front of the house and this and that. And you tell me what I can plant, what trees to plant. I'm like, forget it. No. So I, I've stopped no. even saying land surveyor. I'm like, I'm a geomatics professional. And when I say that, it's like their eyes open, like, oh, wow, that sounds really cool. What does a geomatics professional do? Yeah. And then I just go off on this rant and then they're like, holy cow, that's that's really cool. Yeah. Mm. So and then you, and then I like, was talking to my son. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was talking to my son's friend yesterday. Um, they were over at our place in their little bubble that they're allowed to have. <laughs> and I was editing my podcast and she said, oh, what, what's your podcast on? And I said, oh, it's about surveying. And she goes, oh, so you're doing surveys. Oh, yeah, As yeah, in right. like yeah. asking people yep. just questions. That's and the other so thing. I had to explain to her, no, this is. What, what it's all about. So, yeah. you know, that's a 17-year-old girl not knowing anything about yeah. what we do. Yep, exactly. So that's my big thing is getting out there into the community, getting people to know what a surveyor is, what we do, why they need us, and into the schools so that they know that there are options out there and it's not just a job for boys and there's so many diverse areas that you can go into. Um, that are really exciting. 
Yep, no doubt about it. And of course, you know, we've mentioned the <clears throat> excuse me, the Defining Boundaries podcast. That's definitely a conduit to help people get introduced to it. What else are mm. you what else are you seeing success with as far as your efforts um, about promoting the profession of serving? What seems to be working? Is there anything that really jumps out at you? Norell, I'll let you start with this. Yeah. Um so Get Kids Into Survey program has been good for engaging with younger students. Um, mm. And so being able to have those collateral and it allows us to start the conversations with primary school students. So we, as part of the task force, did a campaign where we sent posters to all the primary schools in New South Wales. And that include, that then leads to being invited to present and speak to students, um, whether that's in person or given COVID restrictions uh, via Zoom. So that's been a great opportunity to start those discussions from an early age and bringing it down to the, you know, most of them understand mapping, most of them have been using Google Maps and stuff like that. So being able to, you know, outline to them that there's a career behind that has been great. Um, We find our biggest thing is organising work experience. Most of the people that, you know, most people fall into surveying, they don't set out (laughs) to go into it. And so part of what we do at the task force is um, work with schools to be able to find work experience opportunities. So instead of the students having to find a company, we do that for them. And so that's been really great. And there's lots of students that have gone through that have decided that based on that, they'll pursue qualifications and further training or a traineeship or university in surveying. And so we're seeing lots of success uh, happening in there. There's still a long way to go um but you know the the student interest and student trends are very positive yeah for sure what what else uh, i guess peter what, what are you saying what are you what are you seeing that seems to be getting some traction as far as promoting the profession uh i, I think I, I think the biggest thing is is the surveyors actually putting themselves out there uh, it's been a very long time where surveyors have not promoted themselves and it's probably only in the last, well, I reckon, five or ten years that we've been really, really pushing that it's slowly making a difference um, as to, you know, even seeing stuff on social media. There's a lot more surveyors now who who are putting on what they do in the day or, you know, what they're excited about or, you know, that kind of stuff that you never used to see that before. They don't like to talk about themselves. They just like to get in there and do their job and, you know, lead their little life and their little job and, and, and that's it and have nothing to do with the community. Half the time some of them don't even really interact with other surveyors or, or anything like that. So I'm seeing a massive difference that way as well. I think, you know, a big part is is that generally surveyors just think what they're doing day-to-day is just what they're doing day-to-day and they don't realise how amazing what they're doing yeah. is. The, the application of technology and knowledge to solve problems and bringing in historical information. You know, we, I always talk about it being a scientific art because it's just mm. as much art as science involved in what we do, particularly when you're trying to recreate uh, property boundaries that haven't been surveyed for 200 years. Um And people just take that as being general, this is what I do every day and not realising the impact that actually has on the community. So for me, the Mm. reason I got involved in surveying and fell in love with it is the impact we can have on the built environment and the communities that people live in. We have that ability to influence the design of those communities and how livable those cities and communities become. And so getting people to talk about that not, you know, just like the architects and the town planners is really important to promoting it because 
they're not shy in talking about their contributions to the built environment and that's where we need to make sure you know the you always see the engineers and media and all that talking about we've got lots of tunneling projects happening in sydney for road projects and stuff like that and there's the big money shots with the driller you know the big machine drilling its way through it's like yeah the whole reason they can set that up is because the surveyors have made sure the tunnel meets in the middle (laughs) Uh, we need to be out there promoting how important that is and you know we're we're doing a lot of work in um new south wales around creating a digital twin of our built environment and it's meaning that that geospatial information is being used by for everyone for a whole different range of reasons and so being out there and talking about what influence that has and how people can utilize geospatial information to make better decisions about their future is what we need to be promoting yeah, no question. And Pete, I'm glad you mentioned the social media aspect of it because I can, I'm like you. I mean, I, I have seen such an incredible movement, you know, on Instagram and, you know, just the various social media platforms by surveyors. And that is super exciting. And, you know, obviously it's pretty much a, the younger generation, but that's great. You know, I mean, and they're embracing it and they're embracing social media. They're embracing the profession and they're proud of it and they're promoting it. And mm. uh, it, it's awesome. I and mean, it's, it's great to see that energy coming to the surface. Yeah, I think it's a really good platform, especially in these days. It's a great platform to get out there what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Um, and it's it's open to anybody that wants to see it sort of thing. So you you are advertising surveying. No question and about it. it. And it- yeah. And it highlights the diversity of what everybody does. And so mm, I think one of the things I love true. most about surveying is I'm not doing the same thing today as I was 12 months or five years or 10 years ago. Um, and so, you know, that one career decision, you can have a whole range of different career opportunities and a whole range of different portfolios in terms of skills and development. And we know that the next generation coming through really like that concept of having a portfolio of jobs and things that they do. They don't want to do the same thing every day for the next 40 years. And surveying offers them that. So not only is it a traditional Mm. career, uh, but it also embraces the future of what's happening in terms of job profiles and the ability to move not just across, you know, our little areas, but take your skill sets around the world. Yeah, very well said. We've talked about the... um you know, I, I guess the education side of it and the different opportunities for those folks. Talk about the importance of mentoring when it comes to serving. Oh, <laughs> I, it's amazing how mentoring used to be so important a, a long time ago and it kind of fell off the wayside because everybody got so busy and now it's, I think we're sort of coming back to it and realizing that mentoring is so important for the growth of surveyors coming through, Um, especially, and, you know, we've got a great group of older surveyors who have the time now that can take the time to mentor younger surveyors and pass their knowledge along. Um, You know, it's it's so important. Yeah, um, I think the problem we've had, and it, it, we're starting to see a change, but the problem we've seen probably over the last 10 years is mentoring has been seen as a cost to a business, a cost to a company. If you're mentoring mm-hmm. someone, then you're not being productive or they're not being productive because there's two people on a job instead of one. And realistically, you know, we've gone from field parties of two to three people down to one person given uh, the introduction of robotics and UAVs, which is fine for some types of work, but we really do miss that passing on of knowledge Um 
it's where we learn the art of surveying is in that mentoring process. And that is unfortunately gone by the wayside a lot. And so it's really important that we see mentoring as an investment in businesses, an investment in our productivity and investment in the future, because the more we invest in passing on that knowledge, the more uh, benefit we can reap in return, making sure that people don't just understand how to use the technology, but why they're making those decisions and how that links to previous Mm. technology and previous decisions. You can't grab an 1880s plan and expect to get millimetre accuracy. And so being able to understand what accuracy we should be looking for and is it an error in the plan or is it because of the measurement technology and what decisions we need to make is really important. And that's not something you can learn in a textbook or online. It really is those discussions that you have with your mentoring surveyor. And I've been really lucky. I've had people that have taken time to help share that art with me um, and that's made me a much better surveyor. It's not, you know, the problem we have with technology is it makes it black box. push buttons you can train a monkey to press the buttons and capture data these days it's about what you do with that data and how you fix the problems that art that's really missing and that's where mentoring has a really strong role to play yeah and that comes back to the education as well I've had surveyors say to me when I was teaching why are you teaching them how to level and how to reduce it and how to do this and how to do that we just need them know how to use the how to use the robotic instrument and it's like, well, and you can teach them how to use a robotic instrument. You, they need to know the foundations. They need to understand what it is they're actually doing. Um, so there's two different mindsets when it comes to comes to the learning and the mentoring. Yep, no doubt. I uh, completely agree with that. That was the best way I've ever heard it put. It was very well that said. That mentoring is a cost to a business. Mm, yeah. And, mm. and that's unfortunately... unfortunately that's the mindset for most businesses. Yeah, no doubt. And the, the the shame of it is, and it's kind of a sad deal because, you know, guys like, I mean, I mean, I guess I'm in that older generation. I've been serving for 30 <laughs> years, but, it's okay. but there's guys that have been serving for 40 years that they're retiring, they're passing away. Yep. You know, some of these, mm-hmm. you know, rock star mentors are, you, you know, are leaving the profession one way or the other. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't think that education is a substitute for mentoring. Would you agree? No. No, and it's not. And I think it's because we've got so many pressures with high workloads, people keep pushing. They they think that somebody who's straight out of university, straight out of TAFE should be work ready. And they forget that education is really learning about how to learn and how to be trained. It's not learning everything about everything that is to become a surveyor. You know, it's not... It's only, well, I don't know, maybe bordering on two generations ago for us in Australia that there wasn't formal education to become licensed. It was an article to apprenticeship. You spent lots of time working under a master surveyor mm. to learn the art. Um, so education has fixed some of that and balanced out the level of education people receive, but it really does. Um, people seem to think that you finish uni, you turn up to work and you should be job ready. And education is not about being job ready. It's about learning how to learn and learning how to solve problems and investigate. You don't become job ready until you're on the job and you've got that mentoring and guidance. Well said. Peter, what do you got to add to that? She says it so well, doesn't she? (laughs) She does. Yeah. Yeah. So, Peter, I have to to believe that you've had some good mentors, though, in the the, the time that you've spent serving. Mm, Yeah. I I was really, really lucky. Um, There wasn't a lot of... Um, I, I found it difficult to get a job when I was younger. Um, 26 years ago, I actually got turned away from quite a few companies because I was a, 
uh, I'm pretty much guessing. I was never told. I was a girl. I was a young mum. I was a single mum, you know, all, all those sort of things against me. And so I, I actually started with um, RMS or RTA, which is a government body, which was a summer job. There were some great guys there that um, just took me under their wing and showed me how to do everything. Um, and then I moved on to Abbey Group Obayashi on the M2 motorway, so building a road where I, we were doing quality assurance. So I had Graham Worth, who now works for 12D. You know, he was really helpful in showing me how to, to do checks and this and that and all that sort of stuff. And then... Um, I'm not a morning person um, and I had to travel a long way to get to work every morning. So I didn't stay there for very long. <laughs> so I found a job nice and close to home, which was with a, a land surveyor, cadastral surveyor. And I was there for 10 and a half years. And oh. Jack um, was a registered surveyor and he basically showed me the ropes, taught me and guided me through the whole process of basically everything, the office, the field, um, defining defining boundaries, you know, how you actually define boundaries, um, everything. So I've had some really some really good mentors along the way as well. Not official, you know. Sure. They've been, mostly been my bosses, but they have been there to help support and guide me. Yeah, that's great. Something I've been thinking a lot about lately, and I think it's just because of the guests that we've had, and I, I want to get your all your opinion on this. You know, you know we, we kind of seem to – compartmentalize things you know there's surveyors there's gis mm -hmm. professionals there's BIM <laughs> professionals there's you know 3d scanning professionals there's drone professionals there's photogrammetrists we i think we need to look at this more as a community a geospatial community there's so yep. much going on there's so much developing at such a rapid pace on the technology side that we need to come together and we we need to work as one and we need to look out for each other because there is so much opportunity. Yeah, Not and true. I think I think that, and it's it's been to the detriment of our industry profession yeah. that we don't collaborate more. So, like, yep. you know, I have a bachelor of engineering in surveying and spatial information, which to me means I'm an engineer, I'm a surveyor, I'm a GIS spatial professional. However you want to look at it, all in one, they're all toolkits, they're all ways to address problems. But I, I think. You know, we don't have the numbers to be able to be such niche groups. Like even yep. if you get all of those professionals, you get the surveyors and the GIS and the geospatial and the geomatics and the, the drones and all that, you get everybody into the one group, we're still a niche area. Yep. We're not like the accountants and the engineers who are in the millions, hundreds of thousands mm. or anything like that. Um, and the fact that we have so much infighting about whether surveying is a discipline of spatial or spatial is mm. a discipline of surveying does not present well um and i don't think it actually matters <laughs> totally agree <laughs> completely agree Peter, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I sort of look at it you know we're the data collectors we're collecting the data and we're the ones that are defining it we're positioning it we're giving it the accuracies you know we we need to be there to work together with the people that are putting it into you know the, the spreadsheets and the maps and the online programs and all that sort of stuff. And we need to work together. 
Yeah, and, and I think, though, that it goes more than we're not just data collectors because anybody can be a data collector. It's about how we manage that data, how we value add, how, how we, we yeah. solve those problems yeah. and provide value to our clients. And whether that's a private client, if you're working in the private industry, or for me, for the public of New South Wales as a government employee, hmm. it's really that important about the data management side just as much as the data collection. Yeah, and we're able to collect more data easier, faster than ever before. Yeah, so it, which anybody can do. Mm-hmm. It's what you actually problem, do with that data. The problem we have in surveying often is that technology has meant it's easier to collect data, it's faster to collect yeah. data, and what we've done is instead of acknowledging the fact that we've invested time in technology and our knowledge, often we we just pass on the savings direct to the client instead of actually valuing yes. our knowledge. The reason this can be mm-hmm. done in two days instead of two weeks is because of my professional knowledge and understanding the time I've invested in training in this technology instead of mm. we just break it down to an hourly rate. Um, and that's to the detriment of the profession. People complain, well, how come surveyors aren't regarded like engineers and accountants or lawyers? You know, we go through the same level of training and qualifications. I'm like, because we don't behave like them. Your accountant charges you in five-minute increments every time he picks up the phone. Surveyors, I know, and it's great, but they will spend hours giving away free advice to the mum and dad who walks in the front door. And so it's great because it builds rapport, but then we don't charge appropriately for the when we're providing paid advice. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so now's a good time Preach. to mention. Now's a good time to mention that we have a business of serving series coming up. Uh oh. That for this Ooh. exact reason that surveyors stereotypically are horrible business people. So mm-hmm. we're going to work on improving that side of things as well. Um, yeah, no, very well said. Appreciate that. Uh, hit the nail on the head. Uh, let's see what else we got here. We got, um, shoot, are we down to your question? No, here, let's no, ask no, this no, question. No, no, no. Let's not ask yet. this. Not no, yet. no, no, not, not yet. yet. Not yet. Not yet. So I, I we got, got this, more to go. I got this one. So, um, you know, I, I, what what excites you guys? And you can you know answer this individually. What excites you guys about surveying? You know, in general, or if you want to talk specifically about you know in Australia moving into the future. And Narelle, I'll let you go first. I was hoping you'd let Peter go first. Oh, <laughs> look, um, the thing that's consuming me at the moment is um, around the growth of spatial digital twins, um, because what that is doing is taking geospatial information beyond the world of Google Maps. For us, we're looking at data in 3D and 4D. So not only is the government making decisions about data we have available, but looking and modelling for the future. What is the impact of putting an extra 50,000 houses in this location? What impact does that have on infrastructure? And so going back to the idea of planning for the future, um, and COVID has really taught us that the, the way we live in communities is really important, that access to open space so people can go and have exercise areas or interact in an open environment mm. is really important, particularly if you, you know, um, luckily, like, you know, I live on a reasonable sized block of land, um, but I feel for families that have been in lockdown in apartments for the last 14 weeks um, and so that you know the the impact of mental health on those living decisions but I think the 
the exciting part about the future is being able to interact more and raise the profile and interacting with the architects and the engineers about being able to create that digital environment um, and making sure that all the data fits together. So the biggest problem we often see is that when the, when the other professions are involved, they haven't thought about datum and how all the different data sets fit together and how all the different resolution of data sets. So, you know, something's accurate to plus or minus five metres. The next data set's plus or minus one metre. Mm. The next one's at the millimetres and being able to explain how you can interact and use all of that data together, I think is where surveyors really step into the limelight of being able to provide that advice. And I think that's that real growth in area is around being able to help use that for predictive models for the future, being able to help influence decisions that politicians and governments are making about how we invest in infrastructure. How many schools do we need? How many hospitals? Where do the roadworks need to be done? All of those things and being able to influence those decisions, I think is really exciting from my perspective. <laughs> okay. well, for going first, that was what quite the answer. What did you need me answer. to go for? <laughs> yeah, Peter, follow up that. <laughs> oh, I've got nothing. <laughs> she covered it all. <laughs> Okay, so, so I'll jump in and point it for her, Peter. The future of education for surveyors, I think, you know, that's what you're passionate about, changing yeah, no. that to be more uh, customer-centric. True. True, yeah. It, my, I've always been about helping people um, and if I can see something that I can do to make things uh, easier, more accessible, um for everybody then i'm going to try and do that and the the way the way that that the industry is going and it is so diverse um that you need to be able to work in a way that you can help as many people as possible get to their goals and i've been lucky enough to be put in that position to be able to come up with some kind of program to to do that moving forward so rewarding it's got to be oh absolutely it is yep i think the most uh, rewarding thing is seeing a student have that light bulb moment when they first come into surveying um to actually understand what you've been trying to teach them to have that light bulb moment and the next thing is actually seeing students out in industry <laughs> and working and either going on to university and getting registered or having their own businesses and and and, and doing doing the things that they enjoyed and, and, and knowing that you had a part of that, it's a good feeling. Yeah, so I think one of the things that excites me most about what Peter and Consulting Surveyors National is doing is it's tailing edu education. So your standard government models of education actually only really cater for a small percentage of people that fit into that normal distribution. And mm. the model that the Surveyors Academy is putting forward is tailoring that to help people through the process. It's working out how do we work with businesses and individuals and tailor that education to make sure we've got surveyors who have got the right training and education moving forward to set them up for success in the future. And so it's kind of turning the whole existing education model on its head and creating something that's customer and student centric. Hey, kudos Kudos to you guys. You guys are making a difference, and it's just it's exciting to talk to you about this. No question. <laughs> well, okay, we get we we're at that time of the show where I have to ask the question, and I'm going to start with Peta because Narelle was just so solid on the last answer. <laughs> I know. I, I gotta give I gotta give her a chance. 
Damn. Uh, rest. <laughs> She's so used to doing this. She's so used to coming out with those questions, <laughs> with those answers. Oh, oh, you guys goodness. are both awesome. Oh, yeah. You guys are great. Uh, the question is, do you have a mantra that you live by? Uh, and it's not like put mm-hmm. another shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I, I think I, I kind of have a few, but mine are always um, – Give it a go. Give something a go. Try um, always be learning. And if you make mistakes, don't worry. Suck it up. Learn from it. Move forward. Um, because you always, if you're not learning, if you're not making mistakes, if you're not learning, then you're not growing. So it's always go out there and give it a go. I think you defined surveying just right there. If you're not learning, you're not. If you're not making mistakes, and yeah, I mean, you learn something every day. Yes. Yeah. Good luck, Narelle. <laughs> yeah. What do you have to follow that up with? Uh, so mine, mine's the standard yeah. you walk past is the standard you yeah. accept. Um, and so that comes from, um, it's an army, it's an army general who said that, who's now moved on to be uh, the governor general of Australia. But really, that's that's kind of the the mantra that I live my life by and that's you know that comes down to the standard of surveying making sure that you're always providing a professional output and professional um, information to your client that's calling out um, behavior that's not in line with our values as a profession and a society and so it's really about having that courage to stand up and talk and call out the fact uh, when people aren't acting in in line with those standards that you should believe we should be living by well I, I laid the 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 challenge That's, down. Shall we just? It. it. Yeah. We'll just bow down now. <laughs> you guys, fantastic. That's awesome. It's so exciting to talk to, you know, a couple folks that you know love and uh, have passion for the profession as much as I do. And and my mm. goodness, you're you're a gazillion miles away, and it's just it's so exciting to you know just hear people you know share some of this, the the love of the profession, and at the same time this, the challenges. You know, let's face it, we're all we're all experiencing the same thing, and you know working together with technology and everything else. And I just think there's there's such an impact to be made by you know developing relationships, just like this relationship that we're developing right now, you know, and just connecting people. And before you know it, you know, we're making a difference, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's pretty amazing how um, with all the social media and everything and how we can actually start having those conversations with people in other countries and realizing that we're all going through similar situations and, you know, we're all dealing with the same problems and, you know, the same technology issues or the great things that are happening and we're, and we're getting to share it more now. And I, that's, I really love that. Agreed. hundred percent. So absolutely, we're about ready to wrap this up. I mean, we've covered everything I was hoping that we would get to. Is there anything that maybe we haven't talked about that you want to get out there? And uh, Narelle, I'll let you go first. No, I think it just builds on um, the fact that, you know, the brilliance of, you know, social media is that we're creating a smaller world because I think, One of the key things is that there's so few of us and we want to avoid uh, reinventing the wheel. So being able to collaborate Mm, as we promote the profession, as we get out there and speak with more people is going to be really important because, you know, many hands make light work and, you know, it just amplifies and being able to out there to be able to amplify everybody else is really important um, as we try and, you know, shift the culture and raise awareness about how great surveying actually is. 
It's so funny you said don't reinvent the wheel. There's two things I say all the time. One, I hate reinventing the wheel. Two, work smarter, not harder. Mm. Those are my two things right there. Peta? They're pretty good. Wrap it up. What you got? Oh, I, I can't go past what Narelle says. She's always got the best things that come out of her mouth. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, I, it's it's... It's great to be able to share experiences with everybody. It's made my life. Uh, it's made my life enjoyable during COVID. That's for sure. Yeah, and you two got each other to bounce things off of, which is pretty cool. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. We have our Friday afternoon catch ups. So. That's awesome. <laughs> great way to start the weekend. Very cool. Very cool. Hey, thanks again for being here. This has been great, and uh, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully you guys agree to come back again sometime, maybe in a couple months, and uh, we'll have a follow-up conversation and compare more notes. Yes, definitely. All right. Well, thanks again. Loved it. Thank you. Awesome. You bet. You bet. Thanks for dealing with us. You boneheads (laughs) over here. (laughs) That'll do it. Episode 100. 100. What a milestone. In the books. Yet another awesome value-adding friend-making show. <laughs> Please be sure to check us out at thegeoholics.com. Follow us on all social media outlets by searching for The Geoholics. Send us an email at info at if you have any content ideas or would like to be a guest on a future show. Like I said, we have the Business of Serving series coming up. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. Last but not least, please support our amazing friends of the program like Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz. Every chance you get, be sure to mention you're a geoholic. And guess what? You might get a front row seat next Monday to Mentoring Mondays. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big deal. (laughs) All right. Pay it forward. Be a truly good person remember the 14 traits in excess i send a message available everywhere until next time everybody be safe and healthy add value make friends she's my only one Once again, a shout out to our friends of the program, Aerotech Mapping Inc., ATMLV.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys Inc., AGSGPS.com, Bad Elf GPS, Bad-Elf.com, Cobb Fenley, CobbFenley.com, Cyanic Automation, GetJobBook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, DiamondbackLandSurveying.com, Get Kids Into Survey, GetKidsIntoSurvey.com, Land Surveyors United, LandSurveyorsUnited.com, Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz, Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com, Nettleman Land Consulting, nlcprep.com, Parkland Community College, parkland.edu slash surveying, Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us, Tiger Supplies, tigersupplies.com, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.